Greetings, listeners. Welcome to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden. On this show, we use short stories to explore the strange, some would say irrational beliefs that have been with us forever. Whether it's a fear of whistling at sea or stepping on a crack in the pavement, humans have a history of finding massive significance in the most minute actions and objects. Today, our forecast calls for blistering sunshine with a chance of superstitions. In 1933, Syrians experienced one of the worst droughts in their history. Livestock died, crops turned to dust. For some unexplained reason, rain just wouldn't fall. Syrians looked for an explanation for the extreme weather. Religious leaders noticed one glaring difference in their country. The arrival of a simple child's toy, the yo-yo. In addition to being new and foreign, the toys seemed to symbolize what was happening to the rain. Even if it began to fall, it would roll right back up into the air. Superstitious citizens decided that the yo-yos were the cause of destruction and convinced the prime minister to ban them around the country. Soon, yo-yos became no-nos. In our story today, one particular toy could control much more than the weather. With the right wish, it could give you riches. With the wrong one, it could spell disaster. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, we battle drought and an evil spirit. Aziz and his best friend Jalal sat on their front stoop, wiping the sweat from their foreheads. They were in the midst of one of the worst droughts in Syria's history. Not only had it dried up the fountain in front of their homes and turned the flower beds to dust, it had killed most of the livestock and crops across the country. Still, even a drought couldn't stop the two friends from playing with their new favorite toys, yo-yos. Aziz was only seven years old, but he could already do advanced tricks. Walk the dog, shoot the moon, the guillotine. They'd made him the envy of all his friends. Still, he couldn't seem to master one maneuver, the North Star. It required creating a triangle with the yo-yo string and then inverting it to make another so that the overlapping points looked like a star. Today, he continued to practice. He flicked his yo-yo down. Then, as he arranged his first triangle, he couldn't stretch it big enough to fit the second one. His young fingers were just not big enough. On what seemed like Aziz's hundredth try, his best friend Jalal chuckled. <laughs> Face it, Aziz, your hands are too small. Aziz sighed. Someday I'll get it. They laughed for a minute, but then Jalal suddenly went silent. He pointed down the street. Better do it quick, before your papa and the police take it away. Aziz looked to where Jalal was pointing. A short distance away, he could see a commotion along the sidewalk. A swarm of police officers, including Aziz's father, fanned out through the neighborhood. One officer shouted into a bullhorn. Attention, citizens! 
The Prime Minister has declared yo-yos illegal. We ask for your cooperation. Please turn over all yo-yos to the police. Aziz raced over to his father. Papa, what's going on? Aziz's father, Hazem, was a serious man. Aziz rarely saw him smile, and today was no different. He knelt down to his son, his expression stern. We have to take everyone's toys. The Imams believe they're causing the drought. Aziz scrunched his face up. But that doesn't make any sense. How could a yo-yo cause a drought? Hazem shook his head. It's the law, son. It's not for young boys like you to question. Let us adults handle that. Now, hand over the toy. Aziz tugged on his father's dark blue jacket. Maybe the adults are too serious. You can take a break with us. Here, you can play with my yo-yo. Hazem shook his head. What have I told you? If you're going to join the police force someday, you need to stop playing with these silly things and get back to your studies. Aziz hung his head. Hazem took the yo-yo and pocketed it. Time to get inside. The street is no place for young boys right now. I'll see you later tonight. As Aziz watched his father go, he wondered if he'd ever see him smile. Hazem didn't want Aziz to know that the drought was pushing the country closer and closer to war with France. Many Syrians already resented the French for occupying their country after World War I. Now, some Syrians, especially the religious imams, blamed the occupiers for the drought. They believed the French had cursed Syria by introducing yo-yos. As a last-ditch effort to reverse the drought and prevent war, the Prime Minister had banned yo-yos and ordered the police to confiscate them. After going neighborhood to neighborhood collecting as many as possible, Hazem and his fellow officers loaded the toys into a wooden trunk. A local imam with a long white beard strolled over with the police captain. The religious man picked up one of the yo-yos, holding it out away from himself as if it might explode at any moment. Is that all of them? He asked. Hazem stepped forward. We still have a few more neighborhoods to search tomorrow. One of the other officers kicked the trunk. Do you really think these cause the drought? They're just toys. Hazem shushed him. It doesn't matter what we think. It's the law. The imam nodded at Hazem and turned to the other officer. True, it's the law, which we must respect. Think about it. Ever since these toys arrived from France, rain hasn't come. What does a yo-yo do? It goes down and comes back up. It never stays down, just like our rain. So, it must be connected. Hazem wasn't sure what to think of that logic, but he wasn't a weatherman or a cleric. To him, all that mattered was the law. After a moment, the imam turned to Hazem. You are an honorable officer. Can you take them home with you tonight? We will finish the collection tomorrow and then lock all of them in the station. Hazem nodded solemnly. Yes, your holiness. That evening, when Hazem arrived home from work, he dragged the trunk of yo-yos into his modest foyer. Years ago, the hand-painted tiles in the entry would have symbolized wealth, 
but now they were old, faded and cracked in spots. Aziz came running when he heard his father. Papa, you're home! He noticed the wooden container immediately. What's that? Hazem held up his finger. Police business. This is not for little boys. Come on, let's get washed up for dinner. Aziz nodded absentmindedly. Yes, Papa. He waited for his father to disappear down the hallway, and then he tiptoed to the trunk. When he lifted the heavy wooden lid, his eyes grew as wide as tea saucers. Inside were hundreds of yo-yos. There were red ones and blue ones, green ones and yellow ones. Some were carved from wood, others made from tin or terracotta. Aziz reached in and sifted his hands through them like they were gold coins. Then he remembered. His yo-yo was probably in there. He started digging through the trunk. He knew he'd recognize it if he saw it. It had his initials etched on the side. But after a few moments, he realized there were just too many. He'd never find it in the pile. Aziz was about to give up when he noticed something glinting in the bottom. It was a yo-yo unlike any he had ever seen before. It was cast from some kind of metal, either brass or gold, and it was covered in ancient glyphs. It looked like an old amulet, like the ones he had seen in museums. Unlike the other yo-yos in the trunk, it was dusty and seemed like it hadn't been used in years. Aziz knew his father would be back any moment, but he couldn't resist trying it. What harm would a couple tricks do, he thought. In a flash, he looped the string over his finger and wound it tightly. He held his breath and let it roll out of his hand. It was the smoothest yo-yo he had ever felt. When it reached the bottom, though, it didn't climb back to his hand. Instead, it kept spinning. And even stranger, an eerie crimson glow appeared. All of a sudden, tendrils of dark smoke began to pour from the sides of the yo-yo. Aziz stared in dumbstruck fear as the smoke spilled around him, encircling him like the body of an enormous serpent. Then, in a flash, the smoke was gone. A figure stood before him. He looked like a man, but his body was transparent like a ghost. He wore a robe that was partly open in the front, revealing a muscular chest. What Aziz noticed most, though, were his eyes, which smoldered like the coals of a fire. Aziz's mouth hung agape. You're a genie, he stammered. The spirit nodded. Some call me that. Others call me Nijma, like the stars in the sky. Aziz was speechless. He had never seen a genie before. His father had told him stories about them, but he always thought they were just that. Stories. As Aziz stared at the genie, the details from those stories came rushing back to him. In his favorite one, a boy, like himself, had bound a genie by learning its secret name and etching it on a talisman. After that, the genie served the boy faithfully, performing magical spells at his bidding and fulfilling his every desire. The two became the best of friends. Aziz promptly shut his mouth, which so far had been hanging open in astonishment. So, how does this work? 
he asked eagerly. Am I your master now? Do I get to make a wish? The genie looked thoughtful. Oh, we've plenty of time for wishes. What I'm curious about is how you managed to free me from my prison. He pointed to the yo-yo on the boy's finger. Only a truly skilled practitioner could have done that. And you're just a young boy. I'm better than anyone on the block, Aziz announced proudly. He quickly walked the dog to prove his point. This time, the yo-yo behaved normally. The genie watched and nodded, clearly impressed. That's very good, he said. Very, very good. It's nothing, said Aziz, switching to a guillotine. Most of my friends can do these tricks. A smile spread across the genie's face. Impressive, he growled. But I wonder, can your friends do this? All of a sudden, the genie conjured a yo-yo of his own and performed a few maneuvers around the world, hop the fence, thread the needle. Aziz's eyes widened. The genie was good, but they were all tricks he'd seen before. Some of them can, he said with a shrug. The genie chuckled. <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up. All of a sudden, his fingers moved like knitting needles. He performed tricks that Aziz had only dreamed of. The hunter and the bear, the midnight hammer, the lion's mouth. With each trick, sparks of red, blue and gold shot from the yo-yo string like miniature fireworks. They danced around the room, taking the shape of the animals and symbols the genie had drawn with his yo-yo. A lion of golden sparks leaped toward Aziz, stretching its jaws wide before erupting into a silent, miniature explosion. The sparks fizzed and spun away, fading quickly into nothing. Better? the genie asked. Aziz applauded furiously. That was amazing, he said. You're amazing. You've got to teach me. Oh, I know. Could you teach me the North Star? The genie suddenly turned pale. Uh, I'm afraid I don't know that one. How about something else? He looked around desperately and came up with an idea. Now about the dragon of fire. He snapped his fingers and Aziz felt a jolt of energy course through his body. Aziz's hands began to move on their own. They twisted in intricate patterns and, after a moment, the yo-yo and string formed a glowing dragon. Even better, its mouth erupted with a burst of flame. Aziz grinned. Thank you! This is the best trick I've ever seen! The genie shrugged. Now that I taught you that, I need something from you. Before he could finish, though, Aziz tore off down the hallway. I need to show this to Papa! As Aziz turned the corner, he barreled right into his father. Papa, Papa, watch this! Before the yo-yo rolled out of his hand, though, his father grabbed him by the shoulders. Aziz, what did I tell you? You opened the trunk, didn't you? He snatched the yo-yo out of Aziz's hand and dragged him toward the entryway. You're coming with me. Aziz struggled to break free, 
Papa, you don't understand. There was a genie. He taught me an incredible trick. Hazem tossed the toy back into the trunk and lifted the whole thing off the floor. Now you're making up fantasies too? Aziz shook his head desperately. No, Papa. Where are you taking them? Hazem opened the front door. Put on your shoes, he snapped. Since I can't leave you alone without you getting into trouble, you're coming with me. A short time later, Aziz followed his father into the police station in central Damascus. Aziz had only seen his father's work a few times. It seemed like the most exciting place in the world. There were always people coming and going, policemen, thieves and bandits. Tonight, though, it was eerily quiet. Hazem carried the chest down a long hallway to a storage room. Aziz had never been in this part of the building before. He looked around at the endless shelves. What's this, Papa? he asked. Hazem looked around. Police evidence. The yo-yos will be safe here until tomorrow. Later that evening, when Aziz and his father returned home, he was sent to his room as punishment. When Aziz closed the door, however, he found that he wasn't alone. Glowing in the middle of the bedroom was the genie, grinning expectantly. So, what happened to my... I mean, your yo-yo? Aziz told the genie what happened. As he explained about the police station's evidence room, the genie's face twisted into an expression of fury. I don't understand, the genie snarled. Why didn't he smash it? Aziz stared at him. Why do you want him to destroy it? It's my toy. The genie held up his hands innocently. No reason. He started to pace back and forth, scratching his chin. Maybe I can fix this for both of us. What if I help you end this drought? I can do it. But you're my master now, so your wishes come first. What do you say? Aziz squinted skeptically at him. Sure, but how does that help you? A Cheshire grin spread across the genie's face. Let's just say I'll get some peace of mind. But if we can help your country, you'll be a hero. Think about how proud your father will be. He'll stop pestering you about studying, am I right? Maybe he'll even let you play with yo-yos again. All you have to do is say the word. Aziz sprung up excitedly. All right, let's end the drought. I wish for the biggest storm ever. The genie nodded, a look of pleasure spreading across his face. Your wish is my command. Aziz ran to the window and looked outside. Already he could see the sky darkening far off in the desert. But as the storm drew nearer, he didn't see any sign of rain clouds, just a sky-high wall of dark, billowing dust. Aziz turned in fear to the genie. Is... is that a sandstorm? He stammered. The genie's eyes erupted into flame, and his face contorted into an evil grin. 
<laughs> That's right, master. You wished for a storm after all. You just didn't say what kind. Coming up, Aziz teaches his father a new trick. Massive spiders, fierce crocodiles, violent kangaroos. With all of the dangers lurking within Australia, one species remains feared above the rest. Humans. Hi listeners, it's Alastair from Parcast, and I'm hosting a new Spotify original called Crime Down Under. Every Sunday on Spotify, take a trip to the oldest continent for some of the most shocking true crime cases in modern history. Featuring a compilation of episodes from shows across Parcast Network, Crime Down Under exposes the vicious serial killers, mysterious disappearances, and terrifying crime families whose stories still stop Aussies dead in their tracks. From the beaches and deserts to the cities and suburbs, the land down under may be vast, but the horrors are hiding around every corner. Catch a new episode of Crime Down Under every Sunday. Listen free only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Aziz raced into his father's bedroom. Papa! Papa, wake up! The genie tricked me into wishing for a sandstorm! Hazem pulled a pillow over his head. It's just a bad dream. Go back to bed. Aziz yanked on his father's arm. Please, Papa, I'm serious. Hazem sat up and grabbed him. Aziz, so am I. If you're not out of here in three seconds, I'll get my belt. In the morning, Hazem dressed for work. Down the hall, he heard Aziz whimper from his bedroom. Please, Papa. Listen to me. Hazem felt sad being so tough on Aziz, but the boy didn't respect rules or discipline. For Hazem, following the law was one of the most important virtues of a man. He stopped at the boy's room on the way out. I want you to stay in your room today and think about what you did last night. Aziz started to cry. But, Papa... Hazem shook his head and rushed out the front door. He had to meet the other officers on the far side of the city. A short time later, Hazem rendezvoused with the other officers and the imam at the old bazaar. They had a new empty crate that they planned to fill with yo-yos today, so they fanned out through the labyrinth of stalls selling spices, tapestries and live animals. While Hazem explained the new law to a tea shop owner, the whole market suddenly darkened. It seemed as if the sun were setting, but it was only nine o'clock in the morning. Hazem stepped from under the colorful patchwork of tents and was shocked to see the horizon. In the distance, blocking the sun, was a wall of clouds as dark as coffee. It seemed to tower into the sky and was heading directly for the city. Hazem suddenly recalled his son's words. Aziz had said something about a genie conjuring a sandstorm, but it had to be a coincidence. Genies were just fairy tales. There's no way one could have caused this storm. There was only one thing that mattered now. The safety of the city. He raced back into the bazaar. 
Sandstorm! Everyone take shelter! He yelled. Moments later, the city echoed with sirens and alarm bells. Hazem sprinted back to the entrance where he met the other police and imam at the truck. The imam gestured to the chest of newly confiscated toys. We need to get these back to the station with the others. We'll destroy them once the storm passes. Hazem, my son, will you take us there? Hazem nodded. Of course, your holiness. As the men loaded the chest into the police truck, he heard a voice behind him. Papa! Papa! It called. It was Aziz, who raced up to the group of policemen. He was now out of breath. Hazem knelt down to his son. Aziz, what are you doing here? I told you to stay in your room. Aziz gestured to the sky. Don't you see? It's the genie! He did this! Hazem glanced at the imam and the other officers, ashamed. I apologize. My son has a wild imagination. The imam stepped over to them and patted Aziz on the shoulder. I understand. In times of chaos and strife, it is tempting to blame something we cannot see, like a magical genie. But there is a far more rational explanation for this storm. He pointed at the chest. It's the yo-yos. First they brought the drought, and now a desert squall, which is why we need to get them to the station with the others. As soon as this storm has passed, we will destroy them. The officers nodded earnestly in agreement. Only Aziz shook his head. You don't understand. The genie came out of a yo-yo and he knows it's locked up at the station. I think that's why he tricked me into wishing for this sandstorm. He wants to scare you into destroying it with all the others. And you know what happens then. The imam and the officers shared a mystified look. Haven't any of you heard a genie story? Aziz cried. Once the talisman is destroyed, he'll be free to wreak havoc forever. Hazem grabbed him by the arm. Aziz, enough! It is not our job to decide what is causing the storm. We both have our orders. You go home and stay safe. I deliver these toys to the station. It's as simple as that. Aziz crossed his arms on his chest in protest. What would Allah think is worse, not following the law or letting more people suffer? Then he added, Papa, you have to trust me. I know what I'm doing. Hazem looked down at his son and shook his head in frustration. Go home, Aziz, he said. Then he turned toward the police truck and his eyes widened. The storm had already reached the edge of the city. He could see the massive dust clouds swallowing whole streets and buildings. It would reach his own neighborhood within minutes. On second thought, get in the car, he said. All of you. The imam, police officers and Aziz all climbed into the truck. Hazem gunned the engine and they rumbled away from the marketplace in a cloud of exhaust. They sped through the narrow streets, rounding turns at a relentless clip. Aziz twisted in his seat and looked out the back window. The sandstorm was rapidly gaining on them. Hazem mashed his foot on the gas pedal, pushing the old police truck to its limit. For a moment, the truck and the storm kept perfect pace with one another. And then, it was right on top of them. 
the world outside the truck suddenly became dark as night. Sand and dust swirled around them, the wind howling so loud it almost drowned out the sound of the engine. Still, Hazem kept driving. He leaned forward in his seat until his nose almost touched the windshield, squinting through the dark storm. Without warning, the police station appeared out of the swirling dust. Hazem slammed on the brakes, skidding to a stop. Go! he shouted. Everyone piled out and ran for the safety of the police station. Hazem stopped to grab the chest of yo-yos before following. Inside, they found that the station was abandoned. All the officers had rushed home to take shelter with their families. The windows rattled dangerously from the wind. Some had already shattered, allowing flurries of sand and dust to pour into the building. Stay away from the windows, Hazem ordered the group. It will be safest in the center of the building, the evidence room, this way. They headed into the bowels of the station. Hazem unlocked the evidence room and ushered everyone inside. He deposited the trunk of yo-yos next to the one that he dropped off yesterday. Aziz eyed the chest warily. The genie's yo-yo was in there. But Aziz wasn't the only one looking at the chest. The imam considered them, his eyes dark. These things have already caused so much destruction, he said solemnly. We cannot wait any longer. We must destroy them, now. No! Aziz yelled. Before Hazem could stop him, he shot forward and threw open the chest. The genie's yo-yo was sitting right on top. Aziz grabbed it, turned and ran. The imam yelled for him to stop and Hazem tried to grab him, but Aziz dodged his outstretched arms and slipped out the door. A second later, Aziz was racing through the empty station. Wind whipped his hair and sand burned his eyes, but he kept running. He didn't know what he was going to do, only that he couldn't let his father destroy the genie's yo-yo. As he thought this, almost as if on cue, there was a burst of dark smoke. Suddenly, the genie stood before Aziz, leering at him with his evil grin. Well, well, trying to steal from the police, he growled. What would your father say? Just then, Hazem rounded the hall and came to a halt behind Aziz. His eyes widened and his mouth fell open. That's a, a genie, he said, stunned. Told you, snapped Aziz. The translucent spirit with burning eyes just shrugged. Genie, Jin, some call me Nijma. Aziz scowled at him. You tricked me. I thought you were my friend. The genie grinned maliciously. What did you expect? Maybe you should read more of your books, like your father says. Hazem stepped in front of his son. Don't you talk to my son like that. You don't know anything about him. Besides, why don't you pick on someone your own size? And he lunged at the creature. The genie disappeared in a burst of smoke. Hazem looked around wildly, ready for the spirit to return. But before it did, the imam and police officers caught up with them. Each of the police officers was carrying one of the chests of yo-yos. 
it seemed that the imam was not going to let the toys out of his sight. Hazem, snapped the imam. Get your son and that yo-yo and come back inside the evidence room. We need your help destroying these things. Hazem hesitated. Aziz quickly hid the yo-yo behind his back. The imam's eyes narrowed. Hazem, I gave you a direct order, he said. I speak on the authority of the Prime Minister. My word is law. Do as you have been instructed. Now! Hazem swallowed and crouched next to Aziz, looking him in the eye. Get to the truck, he whispered. Aziz nodded. A second later, father and son burst through the front door of the police station, sprinting as fast as they could run. The imam and officers appeared in the doorway a moment later, the imam shouting orders for Hazem to stop, but his voice was drowned by the sandstorm. As they raced toward the truck, Aziz yelled to his father through the howling wind. Papa, I know how to get him back into the yo-yo. We have to sign his name. Hazem's expression brightened. That's brilliant, Aziz. Just like the story I read you when you were little. But how? They reached the truck, the front wheels of which were half buried in sand. While Hazem started trying to dig it out, Aziz kept talking. He said his name is Nijma, like the stars. When I asked him to teach me a trick in the shape of a star, he got scared. That must be it. Hazem nodded. Perfect. You can do it. Aziz hung his head. I... I can't. I know how, but my fingers, they're just too small. Hazem's face fell. Then his jaw tightened. Teach me, he said. Aziz's eyes brightened. He quickly cinched the yo-yo string on his father's finger and showed him some basic maneuvers. Hazem was surprisingly graceful with the toy. Meanwhile, the genie appeared nearby. You'll never put me back in there, he growled. He lifted his hands and the storm instantly grew stronger. The wind whipped even more furiously, almost lifting Aziz right off the ground. But that wasn't the only problem. The imam and police officers had found them too. Hazem and Aziz were surrounded. The imam yelled over the wind. Hazem, put down the yo-yo! Hazem closed his eyes. They had to make this trick work. He turned back to the yo-yo and focused. Nimbly moving his fingers just as Aziz had instructed, he wound the string of the yo-yo into the shape of a star. As he formed the last point, the string suddenly began to glow with an incandescent light, glowing sparks cascading from its pointed ends. Suddenly, in the center of the star, there was a burst of swirling crimson light and smoke. A portal had opened between Hazem's hands. Aziz clapped excitedly. Papa, you're doing it! You're doing it! Suddenly, the genie howled from nearby. No! He cried. He was being pulled into the portal. And it wasn't just the genie. The entire sandstorm seemed to have changed direction. 
It whipped around Hazem, forcing itself through the small, star-shaped portal in his hands. The father gritted his teeth, straining against the incredible winds that buffeted him relentlessly, but he stood firm. The genie gave a final scream of fury and was sucked in. As soon as the genie disappeared through it, Hazem closed his hands and the portal vanished. Almost instantly, the storm subsided around them. The swirling winds died and the clouds separated, letting in a beam of brilliant sunlight. The imam and police officers looked around in disbelief. Hazem fell to his knees and pulled Aziz into a hug. Aziz, you did it. I should have listened to you from the beginning. I never thought I'd say this, but your toy saved us. Aziz shook his head. Papa, you did it. You yo-yoed. For the first time in many years, Aziz saw a smile spread across his father's face. They heard a door open nearby and turned to see a small boy creeping out of his house. Around them, other families were emerging into the street, looking up in relief at the clearing sky. A cheer went up from the gathering crowd, followed by shouts of jubilation. As they watched, Hazem's expression grew serious again. He stood and walked over to where the imam and police officers were standing. Without offering any explanation, he took one of the chests of yo-yos out of the police officer's arms. Wait! Those yo-yos could still be cursed! cried the imam. Hazem ignored him, marching back to the truck and climbing into the bed. Aziz realized what his father had in mind and began shouting to the nearest kids to come over. Children from all over Damascus gathered around the police truck. Aziz and Hazem handed them back their yo-yos, one by one. But they held on to one, the genie's amulet. Hazem and Aziz drove it far into the desert and buried it where nobody would find it for many years. And as they drove back to the city, the first drops of rain hit their windshield. Many of the superstitions we've explored on this show developed over centuries, even millennia. But what happened with yo-yos in Syria proves that superstitions can arise like an abrupt sandstorm in the desert. In January 1933, Syria suffered one of the worst droughts in its history. A group of imams attributed the lack of rain to the recent introduction of yo-yos. The spinning toys had likely come to Syria from France, which occupied the Middle Eastern country after the fall of the Ottoman Empire. At the time, yo-yos were a popular toy amongst the French, especially the aristocracy. There were paintings of kings with the toy. There was even an account of Napoleon playing with a yo-yo before the Battle of Waterloo. So, for some Syrians, yo-yos were both a symbol of their occupiers and of the drought that engulfed their country. This belief spread rapidly amongst religious clerics, who convinced Prime Minister Haqui al-Azam to ban the toys. And on January 21, 1933, police confiscated the country's yo-yos. 
Thankfully, the drought abated and war was averted for a time. Years later, the Syrian government reversed the ban. The event should stand as a reminder that superstitions can develop suddenly about even the most innocent items, even toys. So the next time the weather doesn't go as predicted, look to the skies, not to the toys. Thanks for listening to Superstitions. We will be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free exclusively on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Adam De Silva, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. Hi there, it's Alastair from Parcast. You may have heard of the Somerton Man, Azaria Chamberlain, or the Wonder Beach Murders. But do you know the whole terrifying truth? Be sure to check out my new series, Crime Down Under, where we travel to the land down under to explore the most shocking true crime cases in Australian history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Crime Down Under, and catch a new episode every Sunday, free and only on Spotify. Spotify.